Hello, my name is Michelle Yanachan, the Wandering Book Collector, and this is my podcast, Conversations with Writers Exploring What's Informed Their Books Around Themes of Movement, Memory, Sense of Place, Borders, Identity, Belonging, and Home. I'm joined by the writer Bernadine Evaristo, whose nine books have been translated into over 50 languages and include Lara, nearly 25 years ago, and still one of my favorites, a semi-autobiographical novel in verse, it's audacious, to of course her Booker Prize winning girl, woman, other, a lesson in her keen, dexterous, ring-running mind, and out now manifesto on Bernadine's life, the strapline on never giving up. That about says it all. The unstoppable Bernadine, welcome. Hello, good to talk to you. Firstly, Bernadine, congratulations on the next president of the Royal Society of Literature. <laughs> I know, Madame President is in the house. Founded over 200 years ago, you're the second woman and first woman of colour to hold the post, which makes first me want to... First person of colour. First person of colour. First person of colour, okay. I mean, it makes me want to, um, to sigh and hold my head in my hands, but it also makes me want to cheer. Um, we'll come yeah. back I just had to start with this amazing accolade, um, very deserved, that came in this week. But London is where um, I want to start, where you are now. You write in Manifesto that the British capital has been one of your muses, and we read references to the city throughout your books, SW this and SW that. Um, one of your books, uh, The Emperor's Babe, is set in Roman Londinium. So my first question is, where's home? Oh, London. <laughs> London is home, London is now. It's as simple as that. <laughs> it's really simple. It really is. I was born here, raised here. I've pretty much spent my whole life here. I absolutely, I am in love with this city, increasingly so. The more I travel, the more in love with London I become, in a sense. And the reason for that is I have a very strong attachment to this place, obviously, because I've spent my whole life here pretty much. But also, I have very long history in this country. Um, and about 200 years of it in London um, in, on my mother's side of the family. So I have very powerful roots here. Um, but just as somebody living in the 21st century, London is an exciting, creative, um, multicultural city with deep historical roots full of possibility. And I feel very much at home here in the city as it is now. And, and so, yeah, London's home. It's simple for me. But there's a list of, you know, as long as my arm of other references, whether from your ancestry DNA test or because of your own family research, including Nigeria, obviously Togo, Brazil, Germany, Norway. Have you been to all these places and how did you feel when you were there? Oh, what an interesting question. Um, so, obviously, England know it very well. Ireland, I've hardly been to at all. And yet, my great-grandmother came from Ireland. And, uh, and my great-grandmother and my great-great-grandmother were migrants from Ireland. So I've been to actual, actual Ireland once, and that was to Dublin. And that was to do an event. I've never gone to Ireland just to travel um, or for holiday. And I should have done, and I don't know why I haven't. And then I've also been to Northern Ireland once to Ulster to do an event. So again, work trips. Then we have Nigeria where my father's from. And I first went to Nigeria in my early thirties and I've been back probably about six times. 
And when I first went there, I was wondering if Nigeria could be home because, you know, growing up in, in Britain at the time that I did, you know, being feeling like an outsider, being a person of color, but knowing that there was somewhere else where my father had come from that could possibly be a home and was a kind of mythological home in a sense in my head for a bit. And then going there and realizing that I did feel a connection to Nigeria and to Nigerians. And I do, I do love Nigeria and I love Lagos, even though it is incredibly frustrating to be there for so many reasons, but it's not home for me. And there was a point when I first went there in the 90s, in my 30s, I was wondering, could I move to Nigeria? Could I live there? How could I live as an independent woman in the arts? How could I survive? You know, even, even living on my own as a woman at that time was something that people weren't really doing. So yeah, so then Nigeria, Brazil I've been to, which is where my father's father came from um, as part of the migration of um, Africans back to Africa after the end of slavery. And I've been to Brazil, I think three times. And I've, I love it, obviously. Brazil's an incredible place. It's just so diverse in every way imaginable. But it's it's definitely not home. I just I, I suppose I'm really there as a tourist. I'm not really connecting emotionally to Nigeria to to Brazil. Although the first time I went to Brazil, when I went to Bahia and Salvador, and I saw how much Yoruba culture there was there, that was that was really surprising and wonderful. I was like, oh my god, this is like being in Nigeria. And then I have German. I've been to Germany many times all over, and. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy traveling to Germany. I really like Berlin. Um, been going to Berlin since about 1986 and uh, before the wall came down. And I, 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 yeah, it's one of my favorite cities. And also one of the countries, Germany is one of the countries where I'm most invited to go and do work as a writer for the last 20 something years. And so there's always been an interest in my work there. And then there is Norway, which I've been to twice in my life, once when I was 16 and then about 10 years ago. So when I went as a child, it was with the youth theater to do a show we were there for two months, loved it. And then again, um, as a writer, I mean, Norway is one of those really attractive countries to be in, isn't it? It's just great. Um, and I don't know where the, Nor the Norwegian strand of my DNA comes from other than I think a lot of British people have Norwegian in them and also Scottish, which I don't know again, where that comes from in the family. All the other places I've mentioned, I know who the people were from those places. But when it comes to, oh, actually I have a German in me, of course, I, yes. So yeah, no, no. So I was kind of, I kind of covered that. But, you know, I do have a German great-great-grandfather um, and he came from Hamburg. Uh, but even so, I don't have a connection to the place in the sense of an sort of an ancestral bond with it in any way. And, and then Scotland, again, I, I've hardly been to Scotland in my life, and it's always to work at festivals. I think I've covered it all. Togo I've been to once, um, just travelled through it. Um, do, you but feel really like, West do you feel like a visitor more than, as you said, kind of an emotional, connective? Yes, yes. And also, you, although my, some of my DNA is rooted in Togo, um, West Africa was not you know, before before the colonialists came, right? <laughs> These countries did not exist. So it doesn't really, it doesn't have a lot of meaning really about the distinguish, distinguishing between different parts of West Africa because people were all over the place. There's a line in Manifesto that really got me in the gut, which is this, writing became my permanent home. Can you explain that to me? Yeah, because 
I, I talk in the book about all the places I've lived and, you know, I've had a very peripatetic lifestyle up until the last 15 years or so when I've only lived in two homes. And before then I was constantly moving, especially when I was in my twenties and my creativity actually flourished, you know, through, through those decades of um, always being on the move, apart from one very negative relationship. But apart from that, you know, I was always being creative. I was always writing. So the thing that connected me to myself and my creativity and my imagination was writing. So that was the thing inside me. So that was the thing that gave me a sense of, of, I, I don't know, belonging, perhaps, of feeling that this belonged to me and I belonged to it. And so even though my environment was always changing and I was also traveling quite a lot abroad as well for some of my life, I was always returning to writing. I mean, you, and there is there any aspect of that that you miss? Because you were, as you said, in the twenties, moving between apartments and, and places that you lived in London, but also often with the British Council, I know on, on workshops globally. Is there any, any element of that that you miss now? Well, so not not moving home all the time. And I relished it when I was younger. I actually enjoyed it. But I, I don't think I would have been, I would have felt, but it wouldn't have happened if I had landed as a young woman with a property. You know, I would have stayed put. But then I might not have had the life and the creative life that I've had because I would have had some degree of financial um, security. And I might have been very complacent, maybe even. I don't know. Uh, I miss, I do miss free traveling, which is what I used to do. And I haven't done that for a very long time. Uh, you know, especially sort of doing a lot Like the road trip across Europe. Yeah, or just putting a backpack on and just taking off and landing in a country and exploring it. I know you know all about this, Michelle. And I, I do miss doing that and ex just exploring a country because when I travel for work, it is to work, I'm going to people, I'm usually shown around, and I usually come back home when the work's finished. I don't really hang around afterwards, because I'm always so busy. I just think I can't spend two, three days in this place, wherever it is. And the, the, the global touring stopped during lockdown, but it hasn't really stopped. It's, it's ongoing, and it's been ongoing now since about 96, and I love it, actually. Um, I find it very refreshing, invigorating, and even if I go to Italy for a night to do a festival, and usually you end up in some beautiful square in some little old town or village, well, usually a little old town, and you're sitting out and eating some beautiful Italian food, and it's just like, you feel like a million miles away. I feel like a million miles away from my home. And then I come home and that's like, I'm looking at everything as if I have been away for a long time, but I've actually only been away for a day or two. There's something obviously that's now, that you're loving about having an anchorage. And it's not just yeah, a landlord that could kick you out you know, and the kind of threat of that yeah. or, or the unsettled nature or the financial kind of anxieties. It's, it's also- I enjoy all of that. I would never want to go back to not knowing where my income is coming from at the beginning of every year, which was the story of my life for a very long time. Or, never go back to knowing that my a landlord could kick me out, which, you know, because they wanted the property back, they wanted to sell it, whatever. And that happened to me quite a lot. And like the home I live in now with my husband, we, we were doing it up at the moment. And one of the things I wanted was a hotel bathroom because <laughs> like a nice hotel bathroom, because I've always had really grotty bathrooms that are slightly embarrassing. 
And I was like, no, I want the marble effect. <laughs> I want everything that I get, you get in these really smart hotels where I put up these days. And um, so that when I come home, I don't have this sinking feeling in my stomach that I'm back to reality. <laughs> I'm back to the grotty sink and the grotty yeah. plug hole. You describe Bernadine in Lara, actually you describe in Manifesto, Lara itself, um, as a story of migration and immigration, longing and belonging, family and love across the divides, and struggle, ambition, and resilience in the face of bigotry, poverty, and adversity. I'm really, I really scooped up that line because that's what I wanted to tackle in The Wandering Book Collector, particularly longing and belonging. I wonder now, in the context of, of that statement, what are your longings and, and where did you find your sense of belonging? I'm in a period of um, recalibration, in a sense, in terms of my longings, because for a long time I've been driven by my career ambition. And my career ambitions have been have, have materialised since winning the Booker Prize. So it's like, okay, what, what's next? But I also have even longer term goals or visions, which I'm working towards. But, but I have spent two years sort of riding the wave of having won the Booker, but also thinking about the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years and what I would want from that. And I haven't fully formulated it in my mind yet. And when I do, I will keep it to myself because I always do. Do you know what I mean? It's something that I cherish very close to me and then work towards trying to put it into, we're not trying, work towards putting it into practice. The sense of belonging for me, I think comes from finding my people, whatever that means, you know, so it doesn't matter where you are, but you, you need to have community or I like to think of communities around you because we don't exist in a vacuum we exist as part of an, a network of relationships that sustain us and we sustain other people and so my sense of belonging comes from my sense of place in relation to other people and when that was most missing in my life was probably actually I don't even know if it was because my sense of belonging as a child as a, um, a 12 year old onwards was was partly formed by the youth theater so that was a community to which i belonged to which i felt felt welcomed and and then it was at drama school i i belonged there five black women in my year i was one of them you know suddenly i was encountering black women feminism politics and the rest of it and then in the countercultural community communities that I, I moved in in my 20s, you know, and perhaps in my early 30s, I had less of that, actually, less of that sense of belonging, because I'd left theatre behind, I'd left this five year awful relationship behind, I had to get my friends back because they'd left me during this period, because I just couldn't stand it. And this, this person I was in a relationship with drove people away. And uh, I did get my friends back. And they said, thank God, you're back and the rest of it. But I wasn't really fully immersed in the literary community, and yet I was a writer. Now I am. Now I'm obviously, I embody it, right? <laughs> I am Madam President you now. You lead it, Bernadine. Sorry? You lead it as well. You embody it and you lead it. Well, I like to think I'm, I like to think I'm one of the leaders in a sense, um, and also leading by example. But so there's probably a period in my 30s when I was doing personal development stuff where I was trying to find out who I was and who I could be. 
and and yeah and then I found that but I mean but you know I, I then look at the backdrop to that you know to to this assurance now but there are shards throughout the book about the immigration experience um I mean Amma and girl woman other I mean it's, it cracks me apart because I have you know a family background of mixed family background too but when she says about her dad it must have been so traumatic to lose his home his family his friends his culture his first language and to come to a country that didn't want him you know that that's the backdrop Bernadine is there going to be a greater sympathy even empathy given the pandemic has caused forced separation between loved ones it's you know we've been stuck in different places we've been on the wrong side of a border we've been missing home like will it change us like never before in history has something changed us I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I think I think change. I think we have to go through a lot more tragedy and trauma for for that to happen, perhaps. But also, you know, even when people do go through the most horrific life situations, it doesn't necessarily make them more benevolent towards other other groups in society, right? So I like to think, you know, I remember at the beginning of COVID and lockdown. People were saying, oh, we can't return to what we had. You know, we have to be, we have to become more compassionate. We have to think more about our communities. We have to build a better world for ourselves. And actually what I think the reality is that everybody does want to go back to the normality that we had before. Even if you're not happy with this, the way society operates, that you want to, you want to touch base, literally touch base with what you know and what you have known. Because when we went through are going through lockdown and COVID, it was so destabilizing and it's traumatic for people, totally traumatic for people. But did it make us better people? Maybe in that moment, in our local communities and our streets and so on, there was a, probably a, a more, more of a sense of being together and helping each other and so on. But I'm not sure that that's going to sustain for longer than, you know, the, the current time, really. Yeah, we have... Uh... We have short memories. I hate to rattle through all the books that have been such a big influence on me, Empress Babe and then Blonde Roots. Hello, Mum. I can't bear to say Mr. Loverman quickly, but anyway, I have to get to Girl, Woman, Other, the book that changed so much for you. Um, a book about Black Britain, but a book about the world, of course. It was about the migrant experience, negative stereotyping for me, assimilation, roots. With an imagination as rich as yours, Bernadine, and a, a lived life as, as rich as, as yours. Do you maybe not have to fall back on this, this rich theme of travel, the rich pickings of travel I use all the time? I, maybe it's my cheat sheet. But do you have all the material you want in London, in your head, at your desk? No, not at all. No, no, not at all. And like, I have travelled and I haven't written much about my personal travel, but and I don't even do that in manifesto because that wasn't. Yeah, it just wasn't part of the narrative I wanted to tell about my creativity. But actually, travel is absolutely so important for me in terms of keeping, you know, keeping me feeling alive, part of the world, absorbing different cultures, societies, how it makes me feel as an individual when I go away from my comfort zone of this, this city, well, mainly this city, because I can be outside of my comfort zone outside of London, actually. And then I, I have to so not survive because it's not hardship, but I have to be, um, I have to, have to respond to a different different societies different ways of being 
um, and that brings something out of me. I think it's very enriching, very, very empowering, actually, to travel, especially if it's not the kind of usual package tour travel where you you're kind of dependent on other people making your own arrangements. I mean, even going to America, I've gone to America a lot. I've lived there briefly. I find America absolutely fascinating. And I'm very aware of myself in, in America as a British person of color, because they make me aware of it. When I open my mouth to speak, it's like, oh, oh, who are you? And you know, we all, well, we, those of us who have been, had that experience know that we are elevated, that we are almost stripped of our color when they hear our English accent, which they think is sounds like the queen, which we know it doesn't, but they think we sound like the queen, that was some kind of aristocracy. So that's always an interesting experience being in America because there's an assumption that you are from there. Whereas actually going to some other countries, there isn't the assumption that you are there from there. I remember being in um, Lithuania, Estonia, Latvia 20 years ago, and I was literally, I mean, people almost stopped in their tracks to look at me and just like, Oh, it was just, they were just so shocked to see a person of colour. Um, and one of the, um, I was on a tour with a whole load of Eastern European writers and, and writers from all over Europe. And, and, you know, I remember one of the Estonians telling me, don't be upset, don't be upset when they, when they look at you. And he said, and, and they might say something like nigger. He said, they're not saying nigger. It's the Estonian word for black person. And they're just shocked to see you because there are only six black people in Estonia. <laughs> and that was quite reassuring. He said, they're not being hostile. But, but actually, I, I quite find it, I find it quite interesting traveling when I am the rare person of color in a country or a part of a country. And people are really curious, but it's not hostile. Mm. They're just curious. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I know you've traveled a lot and Manifesto doesn't cover all that. That's maybe for another book, you know. But but the thing about Lara is, you know, that book about my family history and my own childhood was very cathartic writing it because I was going deep into my family history. I was fictionalizing um, my ancestors, my grandparents, my parents. And through fictionalizing them, I was understanding who they were you know, from my imagination, but also I was just, I was understand, having a deeper understanding of who they were. And then I also went to Nigeria for the first time when I was writing the book. I went to Brazil for the first time. I did a lot of research. And then at the end of the book, I felt completely whole and integrated because I'm a biracial person. And I wasn't integrated when I started that book, but five years on, having written that book, gone into my family history, accepted my my people, my, my grandmother, my grandfather, my, you know, on, on both sides and thought in great depth about them, I then felt complete at the end of it. And that actually was the marriage of travel and creativity. And so is, so is, is that kind of job done or are there still some you know, parts of the jigsaw that you want to meld together and, and there's blurred memories that you want to clarify? Or is yeah, there I, more to explore? I think I don't know if there's more to explore. Who knows? You don't know, do you? When you don't know what the future holds and how you might feel in, in future years. But I, I'm also very, I'm very determined. I'm very kind of bloody minded. And when I decide something, sometimes that is it. And when I reach this, this epiphany, if you like, about who I am in the world, that felt totally right for me. And I see no reason to challenge it or question it. But... Let's see what the future holds, because I may be challenged and tested in ways I cannot foresee now in the future. 
you know, I, I find it very interesting that this world, there is a madness about this world right now, which I find very scary. Um, I think there was madness about Brexit and also about people's responses to COVID and also conspiracy theories, a QAnon and so on. And that's like, we kind of laugh at it in one sense, but on but but it's also very dangerous. So who knows what the future might hold? We should never be complacent. And then we may all be tested in ways which we cannot foresee. Could I see you, could I see you upping sticks? Don't rule out anything. Could you up sticks? No, oh no, no, I don't rule that out for sure. I mean I would go and live in some parts of the world. I'd love to actually, as much as I'm a Londoner, I, I'd love to go and live in warmer climates, you know, just a very, diff very different cultures. I would live in America. If I had a job in an American university, I would go there. I'm they're all, they're all scrambling right now for your email address. I can just- No, they're not, they're not actually. <laughs> but, but, but I would, yeah, I absolutely would. I look forward to seeing your roaming and your, and your movement. Um, thank you. Bernardina Fariso for joining me on the Wandering Book Collect podcast. Thanks so much, Michelle. Bye. The Wandering Book Collector would like to thank the supporters of this podcast, Abercrombie & Kent, Toomey and Ultimate Library. Thank you for listening.